Hey, my name is Parker Manuel, pastor of Pinewood Church in Boulder, Colorado, where our mission is to meet people where they are and point them to Jesus. Hope you enjoy today's podcast. Hey, thanks for joining us today. Welcome to Pinewood Church. My name is Parker. I'm the pastor of Pinewood Church, and today is going to look a little different. But that's okay, because our world looks a little different right now. I have the honor and the privilege to introduce to you a dear friend of mine and a family member here at Pinewood. He is no guest and he is no stranger. Him and his wife have been invested in our church since before day one. He has been with me personally through some of the lowest and darkest seasons of my life. And he's been with us arm in arm in the highest moments of my life. He's been a mentor to me and, a, and so many other pastors. Uh, he is a very successful composer, a worship leader. He's a friend. Would you please join me in welcoming Pastor Gerald Trotman? Hey, Pastor Gerald, thanks for joining us today. We are going to be having a very important conversation and it means the world to me that you would be joining us and taking time out of your busy schedule. I know you're a busy man uh, to bless our people, to enlighten our people. Uh, it's truly a massive, massive, massive honor for me. Uh, I want to start off by having a conversation like many other conversations that we've had um, by asking how you're doing. Yeah, well, um, first let me say I'm honored to be here. Um, I'm honored that you would uh, invite me to, you know, participate in uh, something that uh, I believe is needed, um, which is open, honest dialogue uh, about um, the issues that we're seeing, you know, uh, in our world. Uh, it's something that has uh, been around, it's been here for since the beginning of time. You know, but uh, sometimes when things are uh, a particular way and you have uh, issues that are going on, if you don't talk about them and figure out solutions, then uh, you continue to have problems. You know, mm -hmm. so um, I'm 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 grieving, man. I'm 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 hurting. I've, I'm watching some of the things that are happening that um, you know I've seen and and read about in, in history books. Um, you know, some things uh, I have watched other people experience. I've heard stories of my parents and my grandparents. And then there's things that I've had to endure all my life as well. And I'm, I'm, I'm seeing like a, a, a cycle that continues to happen. And it feels like it's spiraling downward um, yeah. in ways. So uh, I'm, I'm just uh, trying to process it all. But I, I'm feeling good right now because I'm sitting in front of you and I'm talking to you. And we're going to you know, we're going to try to figure out maybe some medicine, you know, that, that we can, formulas that maybe we can come up with that can uh, help to improve some of the things that uh, people are trying to figure out, you know? I hope so. You know, what a lot of people don't know about you is it's really hard for you to have a bad day. I mean, you are an incredibly joyful person. Um, and even my, my favorite, oh my gosh, my favorite, Gerald, seeing you on stage, worshiping Jesus, leading people to the throne, the joy on your face is like joy on no other face on that stage. You are in it. And to call you in this season of life and to hear the weight of the world in your voice and to hear what feels like so much of your joy just stripped out of your day and pressures in your family completely breaks my heart as, as a friend, as a brother. Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny you, you, mentioned, you mentioned worship. Um, you know, I was, I was reading this morning, I was in, in uh, Genesis chapter, uh, I believe it's chapter six, seven, I, I, I can't remember exactly which chapter, but it's when, no, it's when Noah um, is... Uh, coming off the backside of the flood and he sends the dove out. The dove doesn't come back with anything and he sends the dove out again and uh, the dove comes back with an olive branch, you know, and then he waits seven days. 
you know, and then he sends the dove again and the dove never comes back, right? Hmm. And then he waits. And then he goes out and the first thing he does is build an altar and he worships. Hmm. You know, and uh, I was thinking, you know, here's one of the worst storms that has happened in history of the world, you know, completely wiped out mankind because God was grieving over the wickedness of men and um, and he, he sends the flood and just washes out everything except Noah and, and, and his family, obviously, which uh, God felt was so righteous enough to be able to continue. It, it, Noah gave God hope, you know, and, and the first thing Noah does is he goes and he worships. And I'm saying to myself, God, what is it that we can do right now, first and foremost, before we even have dialogue, before we even go out and do anything, you know, what is it that we need to do? We need to worship. We need to be praying. We need to be, um, you know, some people maybe need to fast. You know, uh, we need to be doing all of the things that we can do to put us in the center of the storm because there's a storm that's going on. And the only way to connect with God is to be right in the middle of where he is. He is not. He is in the place that is the calmest place to be, and he wants us to join him there so that we can see from his perspective. And I think what happens is we lose perspective because we get caught up in the images that we're seeing. We get caught up in the chaos going on, and we start blaming people. We start, you know, casting the stones and. And all of the things that we were told not to do, don't cast that first stone. You know, don't do all of these things that would come from a human perspective. Try to see it from a godly perspective. So before we can even have dialogue and conversation, all of us, we need to get on our knees and we need to say, God, what is it that I can do? Hmm. Ask for forgiveness. What is it that I can do? Because at the end of the day, if none of us are doing anything, then and we're very comfortable with who we are, then nothing is ever gonna be done. We're gonna constantly be looking at the other and saying, and looking and seeing what's wrong, talking about what's wrong. You know, I, I, I'm seeing the images, I'm seeing the things that are going on, and I'm, I'm asking God, speak to me. You know, don't let me feel this hatred. Don't let me feel uh, uh, the judgmental spirit that I know the enemy wants me to feel. Help me, help me to, 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 to have a dialogue of compassion so that I can understand how to communicate in a way that you would want me to communicate as a man of color, as a black man that has been through the things that, that everyone is seeing now. I might not have been on the ground with a knee in my neck before, but I have experienced racism many, many times in my life for no reason at all from when I was a child walking in a store being accused of stealing to not being able to get jobs and not being able to do particular things, walking in stores, being profiled just because of the way that I look. Um, I understand what people are talking about, you know, so so for, for, for me to hear these things and then people deny it, that's actually what causes the pain, mm. you know. Uh, if I'm telling you I'm hurting and you're telling me I don't have the right to hurt, then something is wrong. I feel like a lot of times, and you already know this, um, people, white people think you're overreacting. It's just in your head. Like, for example, I was watching a video that said, you know, have people gotten out of an elevator probably quicker than they would have because they saw a black man or woman in that elevator? Have people accused you of stealing? Have, do you get nervous when you get pulled over by the police? I saw all, I, and, and, and every uh, video that I watched, all the black people were saying, uh, yes to all, literally, like yes to all. And, and I can imagine the white community saying, that's in your head, that's cynicism, that's critical. I, in your mind, when you, when you think that that's what somebody else is thinking, to you, it is 100% real life. That's like somebody telling me that whenever I was eating a sandwich I didn't like, that's in your head. No, I, I didn't like that sandwich. Or like people tell me, I tell people, I, 
went to the beach. Uh, that was in your head. Like these are real live experiences. What would you say to somebody that has that, <clears throat> has that kind of mindset to, you're over-exaggerating. This is, just get out of your head. That's the past. Yeah, no, I, I you know, Parker, um, I think some of those issues are, I have experiences and you don't want to acknowledge them. Okay. Mm. However, you want to tell me how I'm supposed to react. Mm. Uh, I have experiences that you say you don't understand, but then when I react a particular way, you judge me on how I react, but yet you don't even understand what I'm feeling. You know, uh, that's like, uh, I'm, I have a particular pain that's going on. And, you know, a lot of times uh, if I go and I talk to someone about it, unless they've been through that exact pain, unless they walk down that same road, they're not going to really be able to understand. It's almost as if people used to tell me before I had kids, uh, you don't really know what it feels like to be a parent until you have children. You can imagine what it's like. You know, even if you have a, a niece or nephew in your family uh, or a small cousin that comes over, you say, it, it isn't, there's a different experience when you have your own children. And it's a different experience growing up in America as a black man. And there are several uh, African-American people that are going through different experiences. You see, so because of that, we all have different stories but you do hear one common thread that continues to go through that is rejection, racism, prejudice. Uh, you know, all of these things are a continued uh, occurrence. And the issue really is that when you see people react to those things, sometimes they react in ways that we don't like it. You know, um, you know, the, 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 uh, you know, Americans, white America doesn't like sometimes the way that people protest. Uh, well, why are they doing this? Why are they doing that? Why are they doing this? And there could be things that I disagree with as well, you know, uh, of how people could be reacting, but it doesn't mean that I don't understand it. You know, people do things sometimes that we may understand why they're doing it. We may disagree with how they're doing it, but we can understand why they're doing it. So let's figure out a solution, you know, to how, so that the why can maybe change and we can understand uh, that, well, let's, let's try to help the situation then constantly judge the situation. We just need to say, we don't know how we would respond. I feel like that's a good start. Let's just say out loud, I don't know how I would respond if, uh, oh, if I'm white and a white person got killed by a black, I, I, if I was black and somebody got killed by a black and I had grown up in that environment, I don't know how I would respond. I think that'd be a good place to start. Emma, uh, Dr. King, <clears throat> he had two statements. Both seem contradictory. And, and, and you can say both of the statements and they're both true. Riots are the voice of the unheard. Isn't that something like that? That's a true statement. That's coming from a, a black man growing up in that environment saying like I, like, I understand why they're rioting. Like, I understand. But then he also says, darkness cannot drive out more darkness. Only love can. So it's almost how you respond even by saying, and, and you've seen all the tweets. You've seen all the posts. These thugs in the streets looting and rioting, blah, 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 lock them up, send the National Guard. That's not an understanding response. That's coming from somebody that I feel like anyways, that hasn't taken time to empathize, but wants to criticize. But the opposite is saying, hey, look, I don't understand, but in love, can, can I understand and can we work towards a better way? And that's good. I think that's a great perspective. Um, and, you know, what's interesting too is that, uh, you know, we hear people say, like you just said, um, you know, why are they doing this? Why are they doing this? Uh, I honestly know and believe, Parker, that none of us know what we would do in a situation we've never been in before. We yeah. would hope that we don't react a particular way, but yeah, none of us really know what we would do. 
we have an idea of what we might do, but when you are put in a position of fear, when yeah. you feel like your life is, your life is being threatened, uh, when you've had to endure uh, consistent circumstances, whether you're enduring them yourselves or you're seeing them happen to people, uh, and they're very similar uh, to other situations that happen to people that look like you, then when you fall into that scenario, there's a fear that comes up on you that you nobody knows how they would react. Think of the movie Trading Places. You know, uh, when Eddie Murphy became, you know, the, the, the guy on Wall Street, and uh, what was the other guy, the comedian, the, the other guy um, in Trading Places? Uh, I can't remember his name. Uh, but anyway, it, it was, you know, it was a white black, the, the white guy became, they switched, and the white guy became the poor guy, and the poor guy became the wealthy guy, and they ultimately, they did pretty much the same things. The difference is the poor guy had a different perspective because he had been poor. So the rich guy had never been poor, so he was used to always having. So the thing about it is, uh, white America, honestly, is used to always having. They always have had. They made the rules. They made the you know they made the laws here. We've had to just we couldn't even a uh, a decade. I mean not a decade. A a generation ago, we couldn't even vote, man. We couldn't even go participate in voting for people that we felt would create laws for us. You know, my dad grew up in a in a in a very systemic situation that he had to endure and fight for what he he got in his life. And still he's watching images now that are reminding him of things that were over 50, 60, 70 years ago. You know, so it's almost as if, why do we keep coming to this place? You know, why did the Israelites keep coming to the place where they then would get away from God and they had to cry out to God and then, you know, oh Lord, save us. God would have mercy, he saves us. And they forget, they forget because they stop caring. That's why. They forget because they stop really understanding the nature of God and what he desires through us. He doesn't want division through us. He wants unity. But it's hard to have unity when you're consistently rejected, when you have someone saying to you, hey, man, that hurts. Hey, why are you doing this to me? Can you please stop? Hey, can't you pay attention? And you're not paying attention because you have comfort as white Americans, but black Americans, even if we have money, even if we have jobs, even if we're working hard, we still are experiencing things in ways that you don't have to because of the way you were born and the color that you were born with. Something is wrong with that. And until we admit it and understand it and then step into it and say, okay, White America is admitting that this is the way it is. So now what are the solutions? What are we going to do about it? And I think we come up with this, well, you know, we'll do Black History Month or we'll do, you know, we'll do all of these things. Well, Black History Month wasn't even something that people wanted in schools. They don't really sell it's not a It's not a real thing, man. It has to, we have to push it. Martin Luther King Day was something that had to be fought for. You would think that's something that you would see as a day for a guy who helped bring about massive change in America, but yet it still to this day, there are people who really don't give it any attention, you know, but yet some of those same people are now posting things on social media saying, you know, this or that or this or that, I'm not racist, I don't, but yet you're not acknowledging the fact that this is real, you need to say, hey, we need to do something about this and we need to figure out ways to change the nature of our country and our world or else we're gonna end up in a very, very, very bad situation. You said, you said it's not far away as people think. And I think you're 100% right, I mean, if, if I look, even just look back over my generations as far as my granddad, great-granddad, great-granddad, I mean, if I just go to my great-great-grandpa, he was alive when the Emancipation Proclamation was signed. 
my great-great-grandpa. But we, I mean, that's, that's ancient history, but it's not. It's not ancient history. It is, it is our back door. And I feel like a lot of times people try to remain silent, thinking that if we just stay silent over a long enough period of time, then there will be a new normal. But what they don't understand is that wherever they stopped talking, when they start talking again, is when they go right back to where they were, however long ago they stopped talking. It's not, it's not a diet, Parker. You know, if, if, if we want to, you know, change, you know, if we, if we go to the doctor and, and the doctor tells us there's things going on with our, our body and, you know, I have to lose, say, 30, 40 pounds, um, I have to have a complete lifestyle change, mm -hmm. you know. And the thing about it is, once I lose that 30 pounds, I can't go back to doing what I was doing. Mm -hmm. I have to keep, keep that same lifestyle change. And I think what happens is we, we get to this place in our society, like right now, and there's this awareness like, hey, you know, you, you have some ailments going on and we need to address them. Oh, okay, well, I'll go on a diet. You know, so all of these people come out and they start talking now and all of this talk is going on. But the question is, is it going to be a lifestyle change or are we just going to go on a quick diet to lose some quick weight to try to get rid of some of this stuff that we need so that we can put on some clothes and look good again? You know what I mean? And it, 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 it's, got, it's got to be a lifestyle change, man. And it's, it, it's, not, it's something that isn't going to maybe happen in, in my lifetime. But between now and when I go see the Lord... I would hope that maybe we have moved in a direction. And yeah. I, th through the civil rights movement, we, we were moving in a direction. You know, yeah. my life, the good life that I had as a kid was birthed through the civil rights movement. You know, all, a lot of the opportunities that I had as a young man were because of what people endured in the 60s and the 50s and, the, you know, in the 70s even. And because of that, I was able to experience things that my dad wasn't. But now there are kids that are having to go through things in ways that are worse than my dad. There are people that are being uh, 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 criticized and talked about in ways that um, are, are in ways worse because it's not right in your face where you have black and white drinking fountains nowadays you you just it's not in your face it's hidden which makes it worse it makes it worse but you see the symptoms of it because that's what we're going through right now well, i was thinking about uh people that say can't you know can't we just focus on being grateful for how far we've come and and the the the, the movement we've made in the past and i, I keep feeling like I keep, and correct me if I'm wrong here, you, I, I say this all the time, tell me where I sway. I feel like us reminiscing and almost feeling like we have something to puff our chest out about is still modern day racism. I, I, <clears throat> it's us saying, look how far we have advanced this for our society, when in reality, like you said, I love even what Will Smith said. It's not that it's getting worse. It's getting filmed. I mean, no, I think it's racism to say like, it's, you're basically saying, look how long we've ignored the actual problem and let's focus on that instead of doing the current work to fix, to move the needle further like you talked about. Yeah, and, th and, th and those are the solutions that need to happen. You know, um, as as believers, um, you know, I I'll never forget when I went to uh, my wife is Caucasian and I went and I asked her fa her father, you know, would it be okay if if um, if I asked her to to be my wife, right? And um, I felt the need to do that because 
I didn't want to get into a situation of, of uh, a, a, a matrimony, a, 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 you know, a bond that I saw was through the Lord. If it was going to have uh, some thread in it that was going to try to destroy it. Right. And I talked to Angie about it and I said, hey, listen, um, if your parents aren't cool with this, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do this, you know, and I'll never forget. I sat down and I talked to him and, you know, he told me, um, hey, uh, uh, we'll, 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 yes, then we'll get through this. We'll get through this together. And I'm going to tell you that the one reason that I felt OK doing it was because I had hope because they were believers and I had hope that the love of Jesus and the word would be able to be something that would ignite their heart in a way to see beyond what I look like and hopefully see me for who I was on the inside, not what I look like on the outside. And I'll never forget that night after we had that conversation, I went and I went to, I went to sleep and I got on my knees and I thank God and I could hear angels singing, man. And it was because I had faced this fear. I was terrified. I was afraid. But I had, I had faced this, this, this fear that had I not faced it, um, we wouldn't have what we have now. We have two beautiful kids. I mean, we, we've been able to build a life together. God has used us in ways of changing the dynamic of even her hometown, their family, my family in ways. I mean, it, he's used it in a very powerful way, but it's the only way that we're going to have change is if we stand in front of fear and say, God, please take this fear and use it to continue to forward your kingdom. Mm -hmm. Take it and use it. Don't allow it to keep me from moving forward. Take it and thrust me through it because I know on the other side, the blessing that is on the other side of fear is greater than the fear itself. It always has been in my life. So I try to say, hey, listen, what is it as white Americans, right? What is it that you are afraid of? Whatever you're afraid of, think about why you're afraid of it and then figure out ways that you can help yourself to step into situations that are going to help you change it. Right. So, for example, if you want to understand uh, why people are the way they are, go volunteer at places where these people are. Go go be around some of these people that you may not understand. Pick up and read a book about people that have endured things that you don't know about. We have to learn about that history. I've had to learn history all my life about white Americans, you know. The black Americans that I've learned about was outside of school. I learned very little about black America in school. How come that isn't part of our curriculum? If there are teachers out there, make sure that your classrooms are reading books about diversity. Make sure that you are, are collectively, you know, speaking to your, you know, your supervisors and superintendents about incorporating diverse curriculums in your schools you know if if you have children and they don't have a diverse curriculum then make sure they're reading books and and leaning in to things that are going to diversify their life go out and feed homeless people go to shelters where where moms are are abused you know where you have kids that are orphans you know that don't look like you you know, go, go, go do these things because what it's going to do is it's going to change the way you think. I went on several mission trips in my life to Haiti and, you know, to Africa, Uganda. I've been to India multiple times and I went to third world countries where I've never been before, Parker. It changed me, man. It opened my eyes up and I thought I was already open. You know, it even opened me up more to understanding diversity in ways that I've never understood it. I've been, I've taught camps in Poland. I've been around so many different types of people in diversity, in diversity that I feel like I have a, a perspective that I feel like most of us would become so more uh, richer in understanding the nature of God 
if we understood people more. You know, it's more of like a click, click, click society now, like, dislike, you know, we're, we're on our phones, we're in our computers, our televisions. We're not doing this a lot, just having dialogue, sitting down talking. How many people that don't look like you have you had over to your house? You know, everyone, just to eat a meal, everyone is not going to have a great wealth of diversity in their life. And I understand that. But if you don't and you don't desire to, then don't criticize people when they react a way that you don't understand. Mm. Mm. You know, I never, I never looked at a book before and thought about what color a kid's book. I never looked in a kid's book and thought about what color all the kids were in the kid's book. I never watched a movie and thought, how are they portraying each person of color in this movie? I, I, never, I never had this take on life until I had a son that wasn't white. Then every book I read, I was like, there better be a black boy in this book. <laughs> every movie I watched, I'm like, why is the black man the one that dies? You know, where, <clears throat> we got to rewrite this script. Like I was getting mad about stuff that I'd never gotten mad about before because I was getting close to it. People would make comments about us with, with a son that didn't look like us and I would get now offended by it. I, I, and now I'm sensitive to stuff. Why? Because I got close to it. It got personal. And, and I feel like that's another thing that you're saying is, just get close to it. Make it personal. Yeah, it has to be personal. You know, people say, how do you improve your relationship with God? Well, you have a personal relationship with him. You know, you, you, you lean in, you read his book. You know, you get to know the stories of his people, you know, and, and the more you lean into the word and you're reading the word and you understand the word and the people, the more you understand God, you know. Mm -hmm. So that's across the board with anything. If you want to know how to go out and, and fix a, a garbage disposal, now you can look up a YouTube video. You know what I mean? People will, will click and get information that they want. But how often are, are we uh, uh, intentionally going out and in educating ourselves about things that we're ignorant to? You know, mm -hmm. how, how often are we doing that? You know, it's funny because you say that I that's been my whole life, you know, wow. watching images in movies and things and seeing and not being represented in ways that I felt that I was, you know, growing up and seeing, you know, African-Americans as criminals, you know, growing up and first seeing someone that is is uh, a doctor, you know, uh, and and or or seeing, you know, you, you had all of these different things and all of the, this, these different television shows and things that were uh, uh, showing us in particular ways. And through time, we started being in, in movies and we started uh, growing in, in uh, ways that we were being represented. But for years, man, throughout the 60s and 70s, we, were, we had roles that had no significance. I think about how many black teachers I had growing up as a kid. I had one, yeah. you know, and I went to a very diverse school, you know, and, and, and if, if people think about just the neighborhoods that they live in right now, you know, um, how many in, in, in your school district, in your school, how many teachers are of different cultural backgrounds? You know, your kids growing up, are they seeing most of the people who are in authority of different races or are they seeing one race in authority and everyone else is working for them? You know, which may, I mean, it, it, it's that it's that it has to be that intent. You know, it's like if you have a, a, a intentional, should I say, if you have a diverse uh, church, um, how many people are on your staff? You know, um, how many people are representing those people and, 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 and ways of thinking so that you can grow your church in a way that represents the, the core of who the people are? You know, I mean, it's, it's, it's very, very, it's complex, man, but it, it's something that we have to honestly think about because if we don't, then um, 
we're 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 in in deep deep trouble. I think a lot. I think a lot of white people would say, "Well, you know, I don't want to force a relationship." Yeah, if somebody's my literally moves in next door to me, then yeah, I'll befriend them like I would anybody else. But in my mind, I keep thinking, we got to where we are by being intentional in the wrong way. Shouldn't we get to where we want to be by being intentional in the right way? I mean, where in our minds do we think like, just give it time, and if I happen to meet somebody that's black, of course I'm going to be friends with them. In my mind, I want to say, I want to look for people that are black. And, and I, I joke even with people that attend our church. If I see, and I don't know, I, I don't know if this is wrong or not, but if I see somebody that's black in the church, I'm running over the second church is over and I'm saying, hey, what's your name? What's your story? We need you here. We need you here. Tell us, what, what, what can we do better? What can be more comfortable? Like, is, I, I mean, is that okay? Like, isn't, shouldn't that be like, a better approach to be more intentional to say, we need your voice, we need your presence? It's, it's important because uh, when you have situations as a minority and you're walking, in, I mean, I'm sure white Americans feel this way. They've been in situations where they might have been around people that don't look like them, uh, where they might go somewhere and, and it's like they're surrounded by more people that don't look like them and all of a sudden they start feeling these inhibitions or concerns or fears if they're not used to that then yes they're going to feel those things um, the problem if you when you flip it around is that as a african-american black man i walk into situations and um, i have to constantly be aware of something yeah constant i have to constantly be aware so if you're making me feel welcome you're helping me process the wow. fear that I'm feeling. You're helping me feel okay about doing what I feel like I'm supposed to do. If you're not making me feel welcome, welcome or going out of your way, I mean, people do that when they go to the restaurant. So, hey, make sure you go up to the customers, make sure that they feel welcome, shake their hands, you know, yeah. uh, speak to them in particular ways. Uh, the grocery store, the, the shopping mall, wherever they are, customer service is number one, right? So whenever you're in, in the customer service of the church, you would think that that's the place where we want to make everybody feel welcome. But is that really true? You know, to, to so many white churches that are out there, if all of a sudden 500 black people walked into your church on Sunday morning, how would you react? Oh, I mean, is this, is it something that you really want? And the thing about it is, I understand you're right. Everybody's not going to have those types of relationships. Everybody's not going to have uh, multiple relationships with multiple kinds of diverse cultural backgrounds. That's, that's just not going to happen. Uh, however, it doesn't mean that you can't educate yourself so mm -hmm. that you have a sense of understanding it so when you know people say well when you go to church and you hear the pastor speak uh scripture make sure you go back and read it for yourself so that you know what he's saying is true so when you watch tv on the news and you're watching movies and you hear people say things about people and you're hearing people talk about history if you don't go out and find out yourself what's going on then the lies will continue to permeate our society. You will continue to believe things you hear as opposed to things you read or what you experience. That's the problem. I'm telling you that it's the only way that we're going to move forward is if people go out and are intentional about learning and experiencing something that they haven't before. I was raised that way. My dad used to sit us down and make us listen to different kind of music. We hated it. He would make us listen to Frank Sinatra and Stravinsky and Mozart and Quincy Jones. And I mean, it was all across the spectrum. I was blessed, man, being from the musical background. That's what helped me grow into what I am now. You know, so he would take us to different restaurants. We would eat, you know, Asian. We had friends from from uh, he had uh, some doctor friends from um, uh, from the Middle East. Uh, you know, we had Jewish 
people we would go eat over their homes. So I grew up with diversity in my life, but he was intentional about that. So mm -hmm. I, I got a PhD in understanding how to relate with people. But yet still, when I walk in situations, I have to be aware what I'm walking into. However, I know how to navigate, you know, so I was blessed. Everybody doesn't have that experience and it needs to come. It, it, you have to feel welcome. You have to feel and make it intentional. Do things that are intentional. Mm. Uh, I want to ask you one more question. Because I'm trying to, I'm, we're both, we're both here, not, not just because we're learning, because we've been, we've been having conversations and learning from each other, and, and um, not just to gain knowledge, we're here to help people. I think the goal is to help people take a next step, you know, I mean, so if you're watching this, and you're already kind of cold, and you're a racist, I mean, it's you've already wasted about 35 minutes of your life. This ain't helping you at all. You're just, you're just so blind to the reality of what's going on. But if you're, if you're open to it and you're watching and you're listening and you're trying to learn, you're trying to take that next step, what would you say to somebody who has still yet, in this certain, I mean, in this climate that we're in, I mean, you ain't got to do much to turn on the news, scroll through your social media. I mean, if you don't know the extent and the weight uh, and the history and the making moment that it is right now, that I'm sorry, you are, you are living under a rock. I mean, that's the truth. And they haven't said a word about it, which, which I think about a lot. How, how would you encourage somebody, to, you know, to, what would you encourage? Like, hey, like, here's, here's something to say. Here's why you should say it. Like, how can we encourage people to take that next step? I think, I think a lot of times, uh, you know, even pressure uh, is put on people to respond. And yeah. uh, for instance, some people say, are, are telling kids and younger people and even, you know, uh, older people that if you don't say anything, then you're part of the problem. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And, um, but... The thing about it is some people don't have to say anything uh, and they already are doing action. You know, uh, some people are are already intentionally doing things and they may not respond in the same way you may want them to respond. They might not post something that you feel like they should post. Uh, they may not do what you want them to do but it doesn't mean that they're not doing something. So the first thing that can't happen is we can't assume people aren't doing anything, okay? But what we can assume is that we're seeing a really horrible situation, right? So people who really don't know what to do, the first thing that you have to do is admit that there's fault. There, you, we have to admit that there's fault, okay? Once you admit there's fault, then you step forward into, okay, what can I do to help to continue to remove the fault? What are the things that I can do? Well, the first thing that you definitely can do is you can get on your knees, you can wake up every day, and you can intentionally ask God to help you to maybe figure out how what you can do to help, to help it, right? And when you start coming up on resistance, when you start facing things that are challenging you, when, when you know, when, when you don't want to get up and feel like you want to run that day, right? Uh, when you're trying to get in shape, you're trying to get in, 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 in racism shape, and, and you're trying to get yourself toned up, you know, and, and, and in better shape, but yet you don't feel like working out that day, work out. You know, work out, continue to lean into it, continue to push the envelope, continue to do things that make you feel a little bit uncomfortable, you know, um, and don't let people make you feel uncomfortable, meaning don't let people make you feel uncomfortable because you're not doing what they expect you to do. Your yeah. own conscience should feel uncomfortable based mm -hmm. on what you see. If you don't feel uncomfortable when you're looking 
at the images, then 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 something you you got to get something right inside of you. you. You understand what I mean? So so it, it 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 isn't one of those things that well I I don't know what to do. Help me figure out what to do. Well, I guarantee you there are plenty of things out there that you can find that you can do. Plenty of things. You can go online and you can find so many things to involve yourself in. The question is, do you really want to? That's really, that's really, do you really want to get in shape? We need a serious racism workout. We, we need a serious workout. We need, we need to trim the fat on racism. We need to trim the fat on prejudice. And we need to get in shape, get our muscles strong so we can endure the resistance that's going to come as we continue to move forward. It's so good. I, I love how you keep coming back to the exercise. I know uh, early, like earlier this year, I started getting involved in exercise and, you know, they say, you know, don't create a plan that isn't realistic. You know, don't, don't say, you know, I'm going to be 200 for me anyways. I'm going to be 200 by the summer. I mean, come on, that's just not realistic. I, that's impossible. But put together a plan that can turn into a lifestyle, something that you enjoy, something that you're passionate about, that can be consistent. And what you'll find is, is after doing that for three months, you'll actually find, I might be able to do a little more. And then you'll find, you know what, you know, I am getting a little stronger. I might be able to push the limit a little more. But then that passion just, just grows inside of you instead of being burnt out because you went too hard and or that you did nothing at all. And so I was thinking about next steps people could take. I know for me anyways, uh, I know that I have had more conversations. That's something that I'm just going to do anyways. That is something life-giving to me. I know that I ordered a couple books. I read anyways. Why not educate myself on things that matter, things that are relevant, things that are going to affect my kids? We ordered the kids' books so that we could read to the kids. Uh, I started to dig into the Bible and started to see what the Bible had to say about it. I started praying more about it. These are regular routines of my life anyways. I'm just adding to what I'm already passionate about and a part of to help push the envelope to get a little uncomfortable because it is already, already it's a little uncomfortable. I'm saying yes to stuff that I'm asking you for permission for. I'm like, I'm, I'm saying yes to stuff that I don't even know I should be doing. And you're like, no, you just go for it. Just do it. Like, it'll work out on the other side. But yeah, I just think it's good to create those patterns of maybe even things you're already doing. Yes. Yeah. And some people, some people exercise better by themselves. And some people exercise better with the trainer. And then some people exercise better with the trainer and with people. You know, everybody has their own way and technique of what helps motivate them. Figure out what motivates you. You know, figure out what you need to do because at some point, if you're doing it for three months, you're going to start, you're going to, you're enjoying it at that point. You're, it doesn't feel like labor. It should get to the place to where you find joy trying to help uh, give, give seeds to help to bring more trees of justice and yeah. fruit of the spirit in our country and in the world, man, that's, that's what we're called to do. If we're not out being farmers and irrigating the land, then the workers are continuing to be few mm. and the harvest is always going to be plentiful. Nobody's out there working. So you got all this stuff that's dying because there's no one that is working, that is doing it. We need workers. And the only way to be a worker is to first say, we need workers. To admit that we need workers. We need people that are going to go out and intentionally work and do the hard stuff. We need it. I think as pastors, we're both pastors. And there's a lot of things that you can be involved with around the world. But I feel like as pastors, if if you don't understand this issue and the reality of it and the hurt that is caused by it, if you don't feel the weight of that at every single level right now, then, I mean, you, you have to ask yourself, like, do I understand the gospel? 
I mean, I don't, I don't mean to go uh, that, I mean, that hard at people right now, but if you can't hurt with the millions of people that are doing everything they can to tell you that they don't feel like an equal human and you don't feel that, how do you not understand the gospel and what Jesus came to do to set people free from, to bring t- people together for, how are you missing the mark on the gospel? Yeah, yeah. You know, and it's, yeah, that's, that's a great point, man. I, I, it's almost like people who are, are lost and you try to present the gospel to them and they say, I don't need that. I don't, I don't need that. You know, the same, the same thing applies to us as believers when we say, hey, we need uh, you to be intentional about um, raising awareness and things. And their response is, I don't need that. My life is great. I don't, I don't need that. I don't, why? why? It's not, I don't, I don't know any black people. I don't, I don't, you know, I don't have any friends that are black. You know, I have a couple people I might work with that are black that I know, but I, I don't really have any black people in my life, so I don't, I don't really need that. And it's the lack of diversity, man, that is hurting our, uh, it's hurting our society. You think of the, of the New Testament, man, look at all the diversity that was in the New Testament. And who did Jesus go after? He went after, he went after the Gentiles, man. He went after people that were being treated wrong. Nobody wanted to eat with them. Nobody wanted to be around them. They were not represented. You know, they, 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 had, they had no power. They had, they, they had nothing that seemed like something that was any value. Wow. The one thing they had was a God who loved them. Mm-hmm. And because he loved them so much, he sent his son. He sent his son to bring a gospel to them to share. And because of that, there was a, a birth, a new birth that happened in the New Testament. So it's almost as if, what are we going to do now? You know, there are people who feel like they have no voice. They're being mistreated. They're consistently not only harassed, killed, beat up, shot, treated just in in malicious ways. And they're crying out and they're saying something is wrong. Please help us. What are we going to do now? that we know what Jesus did for us. As the church, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Doesn't it remind you of the story in the Bible when they were asking Jesus about the greatest command? He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. And remember whenever they, they pressed him and they said, who's your neighbor? Remember? And then he said, and then he told a story. And it makes you think of what are we going to do? He told a story. And the story was that, you know, the priest, there was a man who, who had hurt himself. And, and the priest goes and, you know, walks by. And I love the text because the text actually says, luckily, a religious Levite walks up. I love how it's luckily, almost as if to be sarcastic. Jesus is I almost being sarcastic. Right? Luckily, a religious Levite walks up and he crosses the street to walk around him. But then the Samaritan walks up and he gets off his horse and he bends down and he mends his wound and, he's, and he is close and he's with him and he's helping any way that he knows how with somebody that doesn't look like him, somebody that's different than him. Isn't it like Jesus to do the opposite of what everything you might think? So who, who is your neighbor? That's whoever's hurting is my neighbor. That's what Jesus is saying. Whoever's down and out, whoever is vulnerable, whoever is hurting, that's your neighbor. Now go love your neighbor. Absolutely. That's, I mean, that's, that's it in a nutshell, man. It's the fruits of the Spirit. If, if you don't see them, if you don't see them active, then they don't exist. You know, love is something that if you don't see it, then how do you know it's there? You may feel it on the inside, but if I'm not outwardly giving love, 
How is anybody going to see it? You may say, man, I love you, but yet you're beating me the same day. Why do, why, you may say, man, I don't have any issues with you, but yet you're sitting and you're watching people who look like me get killed and beat up and treated horribly, and yet you're not saying anything about it. You know, you're not actively trying to do something to maybe change that. Why would I think you love me? You know, and as the church, we can't sit by, we can't sit by and watch what's happening continue to happen. We're being called to do something about it. So the question is, what are we going to do? That's really the question. What are we going to do? And I'm not saying, what are you going to do as white Americans? I'm saying, what are we going to do as a church? Because we're supposed to be the body. We're the hands and the feet. You know what I'm saying? We're the eyes, the mind. We're supposed to come together as one and do something about this. What are we going to do? You know, the priest, the priest and the Levite could have yelled at the man who was on the side of the road and said, I love you. There's a statement that says, let our actions speak so loud I can barely hear what you're saying. You know, the Samaritan didn't have to say a word. <laughs> can, we, can, we just, can we just get close? Can we just empathize for a second? Can we just lean in? And then, yeah, let our words speak, for sure. We have words. Let's put them to use. Let's not be the ones that are found silent in an age where we have the opportunity for real change. But it, let's just not be people that just talk and talk. See, people that get off of our horse, get out of our house, get into the streets, get into people's homes. Serve people, love people, all people, and walk, walk arm in arm together. Um, I wanted to ask if you could pray for us. Um, pray for, pray for our house. Um, you are you are invested. You are personally invested into this house. <laughs> And this is your house. And would you pray for our house? Would you pray for our, uh, our city? Would you pray for our nation? And just, just pray that we would be people of action and pray that we would be people that would truly stand up in this season to say that not on my watch. We're going we're gonna to move the needle. We're going to make a difference. Not, not just for our kids, but for us. I, you know, it's, as parents, you and me, we're naturally going to say, well, I'll lay my life down for my kid. Naturally, that's just... That's who we are. But, but really, I think it's okay to say that, no, we want to make a difference now for the people hurting now. Even for your dad, for my dad, for, our, for them, so that they can see, oh, I'm going to start going again. But would you pray for us? Absolutely, I'd love to. Let's pray. Father God, we love you. Um, I thank you for uh, the love of uh, Pastor Parker here, and I, I just pray, God, that uh, that you continue to use him as a beacon, a lighthouse, the city on a hill, um, his church, his congregation. Um, I pray that you allow them to move um, into action in a way that will uh, ignite, almost like flames. You know, it makes me think of when the flames of the Holy Spirit came in the New Testament. I pray, God, that you bring those same flames upon them to speak in ways that will ignite the hearts of the people there in Boulder. I pray, God, that uh, you allow the same thing to happen all over our nation right now because we need it. We need the movement of a powerful, powerful God, the one that knows the history of man and the hearts of men. Um, the one that created us, made us in his own image, the one that has given us mercy uh, and, 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 and grace over so many, so many centuries, uh, the one with so much compassion, God. I pray that you allow us to feel your compassion, to feel your heart, to feel the pain and the things that you are grieving right now. Mm -hmm. And I pray that you allow us to not only when we feel it, 
but then to move into action to do something. Give us the vision. Give us the things that we need to see that are going to help to bring change. Uh, as Parker spoke last week about being agents of change, God, we know that we're going to face resistance. We know that we're going to come up against the forces of evil, but we know that we have you. And if we're moving in a way that is with you behind us as the wind upon our wings, as the eagles fly, God, I pray that you give us the eye to be able to see when to move and to, to be swift into action, but yet when to pause with patience so that we don't find ourselves surrounded in a way that it's a place where you didn't want us to be. Allow us to know where you are so that we can be with you. And I pray, God, that you just keep growing this church. I pray that you continue to use them in such a powerful way that hopefully we would see Boulder become a city that is becoming an example of what can happen when people decide to finally be intentional about change. Uh, I pray, God, that you use all of the elements that we know that are here. Uh, we have had an incredible conversation this morning, and I just pray, God, that all the ears that are listening, allow them to hear. Please, God, allow them to hear. All of these things I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thanks for listening. If you'd like to learn more, or if you'd like to join us on a Sunday, head on over to pinewoodboulder.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share it. And if you'd like to be notified every time we post new content, then subscribe. And remember, just keep coming back.